All right. Well, good morning, everyone. Before I started, I just wanted to honor a few people in my life because who knows that we wouldn't be where we are today if it weren't for people in our lives, right? And God loves us through people. So I really wanted to honor Pastor Stuart and Pastor Jane and say thank you so much for having me here, for believing in me and my parents as well. My dad's a preacher, and so I've watched him preach for as long as I can remember and um, he's also given me so many tips for today. So thanks, Dad. I honor, you. <laughs> I, I honor you, Dad. And I also wanted to honor my husband, Joel, because he's, <laughs> yeah, he's super supportive. And he let me take the time to prepare for today. And I could have been doing things with him, but he was like, not take the time, prepare, prepare for the ministry. Cool. Well, today I have one simple question for you, and it is, where are you? That is my simple question, where are you? And you might be thinking, well, Julie, obviously I'm in Freshwater Church. Don't you see me? I'm just sitting on the pew here at the church in Cairns, Queensland. Thank you. All good. Thanks, Pastor Josh. So I know exactly where I am. But yes, we're here. But this is a question of, as well, where are we at in our hearts? And this is actually the first question that God ever asked. So we're going to be looking at that today. We're going to be looking at the book of Genesis. We're going to Genesis chapter 2. So I'll let you turn to that. And it's going to take all of our self-control not to start reading. But we're there. We're already ready. Genesis chapter 2. But before we start reading, I just wanted to, um, I just wanted to set the scene before we start reading. Thank you. So yes, so God created the heavens and the earth, right? That's chapter one. He created the light. And by creating light, the byproduct was darkness because darkness is just a place where there's no light. And then he created the heavens. He created the earth. That's where we are right now. And then he created every living thing that's on the earth with the seas and the land and everything else. So I'm just setting up the scene for you for chapter one of Genesis. And I'm sure that most of you have know the story. And God spoke these things into being, right? He spoke them into being. And then he looked back at everything he created and he said that it was yeah, he said that it was good, that every single thing he created was good. And so now we're going to go to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7 and 9, and that's going to be behind me if you want to follow me. Perfect. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the men whom he had formed. And out of the ground, the Lord God made every, every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now we're going to skip to verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And the Lord God said, It is not good that men should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. 
So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. And for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. All right, let's take a break right there. So what have we learned by just reading these few, few verses? We've learned that God, he's created the earth, but then he's created specifically a garden just for Adam. How good is God? He created a whole garden and he then put Adam in the garden and gave him a job. Right? He asked him to take care of the garden. He gave him an opportunity to be with God in the garden. And so the Bible is very um, broad to what it says about what happened in the garden. There's not a lot of details. So I thought it would be a great thing to try and imagine what it was like in the garden with God and Adam. So let's just take a moment to think about this, how, how this could have been. Maybe God, he's in the garden with Adam. Maybe every day God will come in, maybe let's say 6 a.m., I don't know. Hey, good morning, Adam, I'm here. Let's go have a walk together. And so God and Adam would walk together in the garden. And maybe Adam had lots of questions to ask God. It's the first time a human being would even walk, even run, even breathe, eat or drink. So maybe he would be looking at all the fruits and all the amazing things that are around. And maybe he would say, well, God, what about this fruit? What's the taste of this fruit? And maybe God would go, oh, Adam, here, let me show you. I made this. Look at the inside. It's really cool. And you can eat it, and it's tasty. It's sweet. It's fresh. And so they would spend maybe days and days. The Bible actually doesn't say how long they spent in the garden, just the two of them together, getting to know one another. Yeah. And in that uh, time that they were together, they were in complete partnership, right? They were partnering together. They were in friendship, and Adam was content. God was content with Adam. And maybe God would even take Adam and in the middle of the night, right? He would maybe take him to the highest place in the garden, and they would look up at the stars. Maybe God would tell Adam, look at all the things that I've created. Look at the earth, the galaxies, and Adam could ask him any question he wanted. Have you ever thought of that before? I didn't until I first started reading this verse. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's so interesting. You know, God was letting himself be known to men. And men was opening up to God. And maybe you can think of the most peaceful you've ever been in your life. Thank you, Joe. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> I'll put it here. So maybe... You can think of the most peaceful you've ever been in your life. Maybe right now the most content you've ever been. Maybe it's in a cabin in the forest with a cozy fire. Or it's down at the beach where you can feel the wind. And you can see the waves. And you can feel the sand underneath your feet. But the garden was the most peaceful place for men. The most beautiful place that God had ever created. And I think... Adam and God's relationship was pretty much carefree and a little bit wild, probably. They probably did really cool things. And maybe God even taught him how to swim. Maybe taught him as well how to talk, how to speak a language so that they could speak together. And so was there a need for prayer here in the garden? Because we're talking about worship and prayer this month, right? And I'm going somewhere with this. But in the garden, were they, was there any need for prayer? Probably not, because God and Adam could just talk together. 
And maybe Adam would say, God, where are you? Or, you know, come, let's go for a walk. Let's go, let's go talk. Let's spend some time together. Let's be in partnership together. And this reminded me a lot of the time that Joel and I went on a road trip. We both got married in July 2016. And so tomorrow's our third wedding anniversary. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. And we got married and we both decided, like God had really put it in our hearts to take a gap here after our wedding and to come to Australia. So we came here to this beautiful country. We came to Cairns because my parents have a house up in Karanda and they have a car. So we thought, oh, that's perfect. Let's go to Cairns. Let's get the car. And Australia is like, it's so far from Europe. So for us, we we're like, well, if we're going to Australia, I might as well just visit the whole country. I'll visit as much as we can, right? Australia is so big and it's so vast and it's different from place to place. So we basically set out together in a car and there's going to be some photos that are going to show up. Yeah, that's us in the car. So we were together and it basically took us 11 days to drive from here to Broome. So we, so we were in the car together for hours and hours and hours. Guess what we were doing during those hours and hours and hours? We were talking. Yeah, we were sharing. Sometimes we would read the Bible. Um, what else would we do, honey? We would pray. <laughs> He's so spiritual. We would pray. We would also listen to music. Um, we'd read books. But we were sharing, dreaming, casting vision to the future of what our life would be like. And so I really thought of that. I was like, oh, God, you were in the garden with Adam for so long. It was just the two of you, you know. So I was thinking, on our road trip, it was just Joel and me. How many things are we going to talk about until we run out of things to talk about? No, I'm joking. <laughs> we didn't, though. And so... We kept on going on our journey. We, got, we arrived in Broome. That's the next photo. Yeah, where we rode the camels. That was really fun. Then from Broome, we drove down the West Coast and we went to the Coral Coast, so Coral Bay. That's our next photo. That was our tent and how we had our setup. We were traveling with the car this whole time. Then we went down to Perth and we went to Rottnest Island where we visited the Quokkas. And we were cycling together. So during this whole time, right, it's just me and Joel, just the two of us, sharing life, discovering amazing things about the country, about we met people as well, which was so, so cool. Then we went down the, western, the west coast, and we saw the most amazing beaches out there. God is so creative. Like these beaches were long, and they stretched for kilometers and kilometers, and there was no one there. The empty beaches of just like wild nature it was beautiful. Then we, we uh, went to see the 12 disciples as well down near Melbourne. It was like one of the windiest days ever. So Joel's making sure that his hair is not like going all over the place <laughs> on the photo. <laughs> and then we went out to Tassie and we went, we hiked up Mount Wellington and we had a beautiful view of Hobart. It was so beautiful. Look how beautiful God created the world for us to live on. Then we had the privilege of going up Cradle Mountain and having snow. <laughs> so that was great. And we started to make our way back through the Blue Mountains and um, back up here to Cairns. So yeah, so this whole trip, Joel and I discovering what God's created, spending time together, partnering with another, growing in friendship and growing in love. And that just made me really think about God and Adam in the garden. And when I was preparing for this message, I remember I was um, just walking 
And I thought, oh, maybe, you know, Adam and God, that's what they did in the garden. They probably walked, walked and talked. So I was like walking and I was walking along the cane fields and just looking at how beautiful God's created everything. And I thought, wow, you didn't need to pray in the garden, but we do need to pray now. We do need to pray now. Because prayer is really the closest thing we have right now to walking in the garden with God. Right now, prayer is the closest thing that we have to being in the garden with God. But we're going to keep reading. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 21, it's just a few verses down from where we were. Send it straight behind me if you want to follow me, read it together. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib, which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of men. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed." So in the passage that we've just read, you might have noticed that Adam was not the one who had asked for a partner, right? He was content being with God in the garden, but God knew that Adam needed someone to be with him. And God probably said, fine, Adam, I will share you with someone else. <laughs> you know, we're having such a good relationship. We're, we're spending so much time together, getting to know one another. But I know that you need someone. I know you need a helper. So I've created Eve, the woman. Ah, and I'm so grateful to be a woman. <laughs> right, and so then we, as we look into the story, we keep, if we keep reading, we know what happens next. They're in the garden, God, man and woman, just enjoying perfect partnership, perfect relationship with the creator of the universe, the creator and his creation together, united in every way. But then tragedy strikes, right? Eve starts doubting the goodness of God. She's tempted by the snake. And so she as well shares that with Adam. And they both sin. They both eat from the tree that they were not allowed to eat. And then they hide because they're so ashamed of what they've done. They've lost their relationship with their creator. The best person, the best thing that ever had happened to them, it's lost. And so we're going to read Genesis 3, 8 to 9, which is just a few verses lower. And Adam and Eve, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? Adam, where are you? And God knew exactly where Adam was, right? I mean, if God is... Um, omniscient, if he knows all things and he's omnipresent, he's everywhere all the time, then surely he knew where Adam was. He knew, Adam, you're hiding right behind that tree. I know where you are. But right now, I'm asking you, so I can, I'm giving you the opportunity for you to come to me. Where are you, Adam? Are you going to answer me today? Did we not walk in the garden every day? Did we not share amazing fellowship? Wasn't it good between you and me, Adam? Where are you now? You know me. I'm compassionate. I'm merciful. Where are you? Come to me. 
And you know, we might think, wow, Adam that, and Eve, that was really bad what you did. <laughs> you know, thanks for that. We live in a fallen world now, thanks to you. But we have all turned from God. And all of us, if we were, had been in the garden, we all would have made that same decision because we all at some point in our life turned away from God's goodness and his mercy towards us. But God is here again today saying, where are you? Giving you an opportunity, every single person, to come back to me because I am good. And he didn't leave us in a fallen state, did he? He came to earth so that he could be the perfect sacrifice for each and every one of us so that we could have that relationship with God again. And that's the good news. And that's what we celebrate as Christians, that God is good, that he's merciful, that he's here for us, that he fights for us, that he's on our side. And that's what we love about God, isn't it? He's so good towards us. He's so good. And so today as we pray and as we worship him, that is just sweet, sweet fellowship that we have with our maker and our creator. And you know what? God loves it when we pray. God loves hearing us call his name. He loves it when we talk about him and we say good things. Who likes hearing good things about themselves? <laughs> I do. I'm like, oh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> cool. <laughs> so when we, when we sing God's praises and we thank him, God comes close because he loves it. He's like, oh, my children are singing my praises. My children are blessing my name. Oh, this is so, so good. But maybe there's one thing that God doesn't like so much when we pray. Maybe when we ask him for stuff all the time. <laughs> that's not the nicest thing we could do to God, asking him for things all the time. You know, a lot of you know my parents, um, Mike and Tess, and they travel a lot around the world. They're not here today, but they're in Malta. And a lot of the time, and thank you, Lord, for technology, while they're not here, I'm still able to get in touch with them because of WhatsApp and Messenger. And you can talk to someone right on your phone, or you can have their, your, their face on your phone, which is really, really good. It just makes the distance a little bit more bearable while you wait to see them again. And so sometimes I'll call my mom and I'll say, hey mom, how are you? And my mom's really switched on. She's like, hey Julie, how's it going? Um, yeah, well, how can I help? What can I do for you? What's happening? You know, like how, how can I help? And sometimes I'm like, oh, mom, I just wanted to call to check how you're going. I don't really need anything or, or in lack of anything, but I just want to call to catch up and just want to call to say hi. And you can hear it in her voice. She's like, ah. Oh, Oh, hey, how are you? Oh, that's so nice. Oh, let me put my dad on the phone. Let's just have a little chat for a little while. And so if my parents love it when I come to, to them, just to know them, just to catch up with them, just to see how they're going, how much more is that with our relationship with God? He loves it when we come to him, just to spend time with him, to know him. And one amazing way to know him more is really by reading his word. Because while we read his word, we get to know his character, his goodness towards us. And one other thing that God absolutely loves as well is when we come to him in faith, right? That's his language. Faith is his language. And in Hebrews 11 verse 6, and this is one of the verses, I'll let you turn to it. This is one of the verses that I love praying. I love, I'm like, God, I know that if I come to you in faith, right, without faith, it is impossible to please him. 
For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Not who diligently ask him or diligently beg him to do stuff, but just diligently seek his heart. Seek to run after him. Seek to know him. Seek to please him. God will always, always draw near to you if you come to him in faith. So this morning, my simple question, where are you? It is a simple question really, isn't it? And it's not really about where you are right now, where you're sitting, where you find yourself, but where you find your, your heart, where your heart's at. God's still calling us today, asking us where we are, giving us an opportunity, just like he gave Adam, to come to him again, to come to him again in faith, for he responds. So this morning, let's just close our eyes in prayer. Thank you, God. You are so good towards us. So merciful and kind, gracious and compassionate, God. And this morning, we thank you. We praise you, Lord, for all the things that you have done for us. We come again. We come again into your arms of love, Lord. We come again to cast our cares upon you. For you care for us. You know of everything that we need, even before we ask. And like a loving father, you provide to your children because you love us. And we love you because you first loved us, God. So we thank you today. Thank you, Lord. We're here. We're present, Lord. When you call out our name, we say yes, Father. We say yes to the calling that you have upon our life for the future that you have for us, Father. We lay it at your feet, Lord. Because you are worthy, Father. So we thank you today, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.